This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 90 of the Healthy Critters Radio on the Horse Radio Network. Healthy Critters Radio is brought to you by Biostar US. Find them online at biostarus.com. On today's show, Tigger sits down with Lizzie Meyer of Whole Horse Consulting to talk one-on-one about the health of horses and dogs. Join us. Today we're here with Lizzie Meyer, and she's from Whole Horse Consulting, and Lizzie and I have known each other for a decade or more, um, and I'm very excited to have a one-on-one. It, it's something that I have been thinking about doing with special guests and special friends so that we can really get into the meat of subjects, and there's nobody better to talk to about health <laughs> and get into the meat of the subject than Lizzie Meyer. So, Lizzie, welcome to Healthy Critters. Thank you, Tigger. I'm so glad to be here and have this opportunity to talk with y'all today. So, I wanted to start with, you know, let's not mess around, Lizzie. Let's let's get let's get right to it. Um, you work. You do a lot of. Um, work with um, healing and therapies for horses and what are you seeing as some of the major health issues in horses and dogs? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, I would say on more of a global level, as far as general perspective, it's not one um disease or syndrome or, you know, aspect of stress. It seems to be when an owner gets a diagnosis on their animal, um, they tend to get stuck in the label of whatever that disease or lameness or whatever that diagnosis is from, you know, their vet. And this tends to be a really stressful um time for an owner because they they then get attached to an outcome or a prognosis that was given to them or a you know they get stuck in the box of these are the treatments these are your options um and this is the approximate timeline that we have these expectations towards you know quote healing this issue and doesn't that stress also transfer to the horse or the dog or the cat who's going to be picking up those same expectations that, oh, yeah. my gosh, I've got navicular, so this means X, Y, Z, because this is what my human is thinking. Right. And and I have noticed um, just through time, and, and having been in this boat myself many, many, many times with my own uh, menagerie of animals, it is a it's a it's a very hard box to even see that you know that you're in it to begin with because you you kind of get into this is what you know the professionals told us to do this is the plan and it's very easy to get so sucked into that vibration that we lose sight of who is the animal 
who happens to have the symptoms of this disease or lameness or issue. Could be a behavior issue even. So that stress, I mean, we basically look at the animal and the first thing we think about is the label, the, the name, the title, whatever it is that's causing the problem. Instead of looking at the animal as who they are and, and what they're experiencing as a whole. So can you give an example? Yes. Yeah. So if I have... I have a horse here that had an old um, sacral fracture and whenever she would have a bad day and would, you know, stand, you know, with one leg cocked or she'd kind of go back and forth, you know, between her hind legs and obviously was uncomfortable. I found it really easy to go out and check on her with, with, you know, the idea in my mind of what can I do to help this horse? Um, I know that sacrum must be causing pain. And then I would put my hands on top of the sacrum or I would just look at her with just that eagle eye vision of this is the thing causing the horse pain. And that is from my human perspective. Mm-hmm. I don't know for sure what exactly was causing, you know, some shifting lameness or shifting at rest. All I can say see is this tunnel vision and then the horse doesn't want to you know she doesn't want to hang out with me she walks away you know her head goes up she gets stress wrinkles under her eyes around her nose her ears are tense her whole expression is stay away I don't want you near me if that's your state of mind because we're just looking at the problem although we mean well and we're we're sincerely looking for the thing to do to help or to at least evaluate in a more honest way. The horses and and dogs too, but the horses, I believe perceive that as invasive and also potentially as a threat because we're seeing them in a weak state, not in a whole state. The contrast and with the same situation that feels a lot better to me that I often help people to learn how to do is if I were to look at this horse, who's got the same pattern going um, with the hind legs that are, you know, obviously there's something going on that's uncomfortable. If I can stand back, take a deep breath and just notice first, what am I feeling? Check in with myself and say, Hmm, feeling that, you know, I'm carrying some expectations or I'm carrying some stress or I'm feeling my shoulders are really tight or my feet don't feel heavy. Like I don't feel grounded. So I can stop right then and there and say, okay, you know, do your breathing exercises or get grounded or just look at the big picture. Look at another horse for a second. And then I can ask, you know, if I have permission to kind of check in with this horse. And that's a really quick yes or no. And if I get a yes, I'm making a neutral observation of, okay, I see that you're doing this with your left hind and your right hind leg. I see that your head is a little bit higher than usual. I'm making a, like a checklist of black and white linear observations. Yes. Observation. They have no emotional charge. 
And so then I find that, uh, you know, the horse walks up to me, wants to touch me, is interested in me. And then I can start the conversation and say, would you like any help with this? Or how are you feeling? Instead of assuming that this is painful or assuming that she wants any help from me at this time. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's as you were talking, I, I was thinking um, of what I, I have learned very similar to that with Lionheart, you know, with all his, his bursa problems of the past. Mm-hmm. And I've learned when he's standing in his stall and he's toe pointing, it doesn't mean that hell is going in the handbasket mm-hmm. and I need to call the vet. It, sometimes he's right. just toe pointing to just get off that foot, but it doesn't mean that, oh my God, now he's got inflammation of the bursa back. So, uh, and, and I've learned that from him narrowing his eyes at me and pinning his ears. I mean, like, really get yeah. out of my space. Like, don't Very even be clear. thinking that. So, right. I, 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 under, I really understand that. What I want to relate, and, I, and I'm sure our listeners can understand, is the when there's a diagnosis or we notice that there's something our dog is throwing up, um, mm-hmm. the dog comes in lame, the horse comes in lame, there is something that happens in us. For me, I go into an absolute panic, and it's only with my own animals. With everybody else's mm-hmm. animals, I'm totally in a chilled, neutral, helping place. But with my own, all that goes out the window. And I'm like, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this, it could be this. Does he have this and this? I better check mm-hmm. that. Da, da, da. Yeah. And then, yeah. Yeah. Yes, I the can parents. relate. I've yeah. been there many times. With I've been there with you. Animals. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And it seems to be the case. Uh, for, for a lot of other people too. Yes. So it's just our attachment. They're our family. They live with us yep. a lot of times. So it's, it's not easy. And I, I think there's an underlying, I don't want to call it guilt, but it's like, this is my family. I, I should be reacting. You know, I shouldn't be ignoring this. I, I think there's that, that, an old tape from, you know, eons of parenting that's in our genes about, you know, you're, you're a bad parent if you don't, you know, address your child's sore throat. So if one of our animals is injured, that all that sort of DNA is kind of reawoken. Like, oh my God, I've, I've got to do something. I've got to fix this. Right. Right. And, and sometimes I think that um, when we go into fix it mode, it is, it's possible to come from that reactive place mm-hmm. that you're describing instead of responsive. And it's also, it may Can you be describe the ask, difference, how you see the differences between the two? Yeah. So my, this personal definition, I would say reactive is coming from a place of fear or panic or worry, or your heart rate is up <laughs> for some <laughs> some reason. You're just feeling unsettled and you want to just get it done now because it feels better than doing nothing. That to me is reactive. It's putting out a fire. Responsive 
to me is stepping, you know, you're seeing what is going on. You're, you're using your senses to the best degree that you can. You're taking a deep breath. You're stepping back. You're using that soft focus and seeing what is this animal actually showing me in terms of things that I could write down as concrete observations. What's kind of the order of priority here? You know, and you're looking at, you know, obvious things like, are, are we bleeding? Are we, you know, uncontrollably vomiting? Can this horse not even walk? You know, mm-hmm. you're looking at really obvious things, but you're also looking at body language. You're looking at behavior. Um, you're coming from a calm, relatively centered place. And you're, you're kind of evaluating what's the plan and what are my options. And do I need to do something right this minute? And usually responsive is, I mean, that, that's the place I try to come from as much as possible. So would you say um, that horses and dogs in 2019 don't face greater challenges health-wise than they used to? Or is it how we perceive their health challenges? Boy, that's a really deep question. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Uh, thanks, Tigger. Um, so I think that that could take a lot of angles. The What I notice is a disconnect between people and their animals uh, a lot. And it seems to be happening more and more frequently because, you know, we're all attached to our phones or, you know, whatever device we're pretty attached unless we make a deliberate effort not to be. And we have special time with our animals or, you know, we have a lot of discipline around that. But I think sometimes it's it's easy to see an issue that's coming up and if we're not from, we're not seeing it from a place of connection, um, we see it as a sudden series of red flags that elicit a panic reactive response. Mm-hmm. We have to do something now. But the truth is, possibly this animal has been giving us little cues for months and months that have been escalating gradually over time. But because it's easy to live in that disconnected and fast paced state. Um, We don't always see it until it's this huge, huge thing that anyone else could see that, you know, they don't even know our animal they're seeing it. So I think that just the the way, the way life is right now for a lot of people, um, myself included, it's, it's an effort to really be aware, not from a critical sense, but just to be aware and to be tuned in and to keep that connection with our animals on this, you know, daily level where we're not distracted and we can, you know, we can feel, you know, what are, what are they giving us? What are we sensing? What are the thoughts that come up when we look at them or when we, you know, put our hands on them? What's that quick sense that comes up 
that leaves just as quickly, you know, if we don't catch it. Mm-hmm. Those are those are the ways they communicate with us, and they're actually very generous at doing this. It's just making time to listen because you know we're stressed. We are so stressed moving this fast, and I'm not sure how our animals feel about us moving as fast as we do. They're they're slower paced. Yeah, in everything that they do. Except if you're an Australian shepherd trying to to herd the chickens. <laughs> That's right. That's a good point. <laughs> yeah. I, I was thinking right. as you were speaking um, about a, a certain level of conditioning that we humans get. Uh, because I have known riders and, and dog owners who are very sensitive to their animals but they almost Mm -hmm. talk themselves out of it like they're some kind of hypochondriac yeah do you know like they don't trust what they're sensing and um vets that i really admire uh, forget the skill and the knowledge but the, the kind of vet i really admire is the one that listens to the owner the owner says, you know, something's not right. I don't know what it is, but he just doesn't feel right or she just doesn't feel right. There's something going on. Right. And there's it's nothing right. obvious. There's no lameness. There's da-da-da-da. But there's that, the you know, that ability to sense what the animal is, is telling us. And then we block it off and go, oh, we're just – must, I must be imagining it or – if there's anything right. I wish we could all work on, it's trusting what this almost nonverbal communication that comes through the ethers, that comes from our intuition, that comes from our heart and comes from the animal's hearts, that we could trust that. Could say, okay, right. I, I, right. I, I get what you're telling me. Now I'm going to be very observant and see if I can learn more. And I think that's that's a key piece that you just mentioned, Tigger. The um, the part about acknowledging what you're getting or what you're feeling, because we all get information from our animals and from other people, even. But we we get it in different ways. Sometimes we get a like a kinesthetic sense in our body where we just know, just have that internal feeling of knowing that's pretty unshakable and we don't know where it came from. Sometimes we get like a, a voice or a vision. I mean, all the, there are so many ways that we can get information. And sometimes it's just through observation and uh-huh. looking at body language cues that are more concrete, yeah. um, but still completely valid. So, and I, I do think our, our animals will go to great lengths to, because they've figured us out. I believe they're, they're very good at this. This is how they survive. They have to read everyone and everything Mm -hmm. in their environment all the time. So they're masters at this. So they, I believe will find a way to make their point to whatever degree we can, you know, quote, hear them or sense them. And when we get that information, I find when owners sort of turn it off because it feels too weird or it feels like if they were to tell their friends that it would be discounted or they'd be ridiculed or whatever, or they would, you know, kind of make it comical when really 
these animals are, they're communicating a lot of this because they need us to get it in, in order to make something better in our relationship for them, for us, for whoever. So when we get that information, the best thing that someone can do is to acknowledge it out loud, you know, in private, it tends to be the the better approach here in private, what you felt or heard or saw or sent from your animal. And, and you can say, you know, I, I got this. I don't know where it came from. I don't know what to do with it. That's key. You just, you just let them know that they've been heard on that level and that you're working on it. So that, you know, that way they That's don't a really have to good get point. louder. Yeah, because sometimes then, then it will come out as a physical manifestation of a behavior or, you know, lameness or, you know, whatever. Not always, but a lot of times it will. Because it, in my opinion, it's the, the animal that feels, okay, I've, I've tried to communicate this to my human, but she's not getting it. Mm-hmm. I have to make it bigger. So I, I don't want animals to have to go to that link because ultimately it is far more stressful for both and then everyone else involved. But if they can just, it's like if, if you were talking with a friend and, you know, you were really stressed, sometimes the simple act of knowing that you have been heard, they are empathizing with your situation, you're not alone in this. Uh, someone else is helping you to kind of brainstorm or come up with some other perspective. That's what our animals are feeling in some way. So it's reassuring to them that we hear them or we're sensing them. And then as, as we get that information, which is, I mean, it changes everything. It's, it's the coolest feeling, even if you don't know what in the world to do with it, because when you start offering them options of, okay, we're going to try this or that. That animal knows that, okay, I can, I can let this person know if this is helping or not helping. They have some security knowing they're going to hear me next time a little bit easier than the first time. And it's not something that, you know, I encourage everyone to go you know, tell their friends what they got from their from their horse because this is kind of a it's kind of a private conversation and and you want it to set this up so that you know everyone feels you know safe in being heard and then being the one who's communicating because then it will evolve because there is less likelihood of doubt doubt is the biggest killer on this thing that's you know it's it's so valuable how, how do you how do you mean that exactly? That doubt is the biggest killer. Or, what do you mean by that? Yes. Well, okay. So if we're getting, we'll just we'll just pretend it's with a horse. If we're getting something from a horse and we can't explain it, and then we kind of just shove it off and say, "Oh, gotcha." Uh, okay. I don't know where that came from, or. The worst is when someone says, oh, that must be just in my head. I can't prove that. Or there's no way that that's real. That just shut down the animal and their ability to try to speak up. Because sometimes when they are 
starting to kind of get us more engaged in this way, um, they're, they're taking a leap, just like we're taking a leap mm-hmm. and hearing them. And that's just what I've noticed personally. That is a really, really excellent point. I, I, I hadn't connected the doubt um, in the same way, and I, I think that's, that's really powerful. And how it would yeah. also back them off, you know. The, yeah, well. because imagine this. Imagine if you don't speak the same language and you live together or you're, you know, you do a lot of things together or this other species takes care of you and they don't speak your language either. Um, and you're just sort of going with the flow and everything's okay. But one day something's really not okay. And you're desperately trying to get this person who does not speak horse, you know, beyond body language, really to, to understand that you need some additional help with something. Mm-hmm. You know, your goal is to get their attention, not necessarily to communicate. My left front really hurts in the toe area at two o'clock. <laughs> you know, they're not looking for that. <laughs> I don't think, but they, they're trying to get our attention. And if, and if we just give them that, then we can start asking other questions and it gets to be this really incredible adventure where you can actually set things up to say yes or no. You can set things up with this horse where if you're listening and you feel relatively confident and at least you feel curious in this conversation and your ability to have this conversation, which I I think a lot of people have that doubt themselves out of it. Um, you, you can ask, you know, are you feeling, uh, you know, when you put this foot forward, is this painful? And you're going to get a very sharp yes or no. And then as you build confidence on simple things, they begin to give you much more information. And you begin to get a strong, stronger kind of internal compass as to the yeses or the noes, and that destroys the doubt because you're practicing it. Mm-hmm. And it's okay if you're wrong. The point, the point is to put yourself out there because your horse cer- certainly is putting themselves out there to you. And they just want to know that they're being acknowledged and heard. And we have to kind of experiment to get to the next piece, to try things on. Do you know what I mean? Uh, well, the way I'm interpreting it may not be what you mean. I, I'm thinking immediately in terms of food, supplements, modalities, therapies. Yeah, and yeah, and that's a really that's a really good way to actually put all of you know everything that we're talking about into use. You know, because that's involved. You know, the horse has gotten our attention even though we might not be able to explain the why, the how, the what, but we do know they've grabbed us for some reason. We're looking at them with a different focus, not, not from the point of view of what's your problem, because that's, that's really not, um, in my opinion, a healthy way to look at them. Mm-hmm. It's more like, um, is there an area that your eye is being drawn or an area that you just, intuitively feel is 
an issue that needs some support? Or is there um, just something that just keeps, you know, nagging at you? It's usually one of those things. And then you find, you know, the food, the supplement, the change, you know, the environmental change, the, you know, whatever. And you're, you're proving to the horse, whether it's right or wrong, you're proving to the horse, okay, I heard you. We're taking action. Show me how this works. Right? Yep. So, you know, that way we're not looking at, um, you know, parts and pieces and we're not looking at them with this really critical eye of judgment. We're looking at them as the whole horse who happens to have the symptoms of this issue. And our intention, I believe, is to help the whole horse's vital force to raise its vibration so that it can go into self-healing mode. And a large part of that is being heard by their person, you know, and it's not always, you know, in an audible way. It's just sort of symbolic, you know, terminology being heard. Yeah. So, because I, I just don't know that anyone would heal on a, you know, full level if they couldn't be heard or be addressed in that way. I think that would be difficult. And because that's you know that I, it just it just for me bounces back to how we uh, approach uh, medicine with humans. So mm-hmm. there are there are some uh, philosophies and approaches to people with very serious illnesses that is that are very. Um, inspiring and uplifting and there are Mm -hmm. others that it's like a trudge through this treatment Mm -hmm. and that treatment and 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 I you know what until you just said that I hadn't made that connection vis-a-vis the animals that Mm -hmm. our approach to them are meaning owner rider Mm -hmm. um is very sort of similar to how some of the medical um, groups approach serious illness with our fellow humans. Yeah, that's a really good point. And and the thing that's coming to mind right now is, you know, if, if we're used to, you know, if we're used to a certain approach, you know, with our own health, whether it's, the conventional model or more holistic or an integrative model. Um, I do find that we tend to treat our animals in a similar way. But if, if we are trying to treat our animals in one way, because everyone thinks it's the best idea, but we're treating ourselves in a completely different way, Mm -hmm. uh, that creates a big problem because, our perspectives are radically different for us versus them. And that's not, nothing great happens uh, when there's that division. So I, I think it's important to, you know, honor how an individual thinks and how they believe 
you know, health comes about where healing, you know, occurs. And if, if they're really stuck on a certain paradigm, their animal does have the potential to bring a different awareness to that person. But, um, it's not, it's not the easiest adventure <laughs> um, right. when, when you really believe in one thing, but you're not trusting in the other. And then you're, you know, you're going with something that you don't have any footing in with your dear animal who's having an issue. So it's, that gets to be a really tricky position. Um, I see people who are more in the conventional, you know, medical model for themselves and I'm not, you know, that's fine. That's what they believe in. And then they want to go the holistic route with say their itchy dog. (laughs) And, um, because that's what everyone has told them is a more successful or more, um, humane approach or whatever. But that person does not understand how healing actually takes place. Uh They don't understand what suppression of symptoms is. And they don't understand the value of um, necessarily the value of, um, you know, a whole food diet or the foundational tools to build health from the inside out. So there's, there's a, there's a, there's a big um, leap there. Yeah. And that tends to be stressful. Yes, because it's a dichotomy and the animal Mm -hmm. senses it and the human knows it even if on an unconscious basis. Right. And sometimes it takes that one animal to basically transform an owner's way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's okay. That's totally okay. Cause everyone comes to this in their own timing and in their own way. And it is something I have learned the hard way for a long time doing any kind of healing work with animals I never, ever try to convince an owner of my perspective or an approach that I would take with my own animal or that they, you know, quote, should do mm-hmm. because that's my ego and that's my agenda. I find the best way is to um, I call it the flashlight. It's the easy way to describe it. If I can shine a flashlight on, you know, metaphorically, shine a flashlight on the animal, you know, the issue that I'm seeing or the, the animal is showing me whatever imbalance or whatever is going on. If I can then not say what that thing is or what that pattern might be, and I can get the owner to observe where is that flashlight beam shining on that animal and lead them through the process of discovering this for themselves, they come away with this experience in a really positive way where they Mm -hmm. are much more curious. They're much more willing to try things. They are seeing the whole animal that happens to have this one thing that's sort of lighting up and they have learned to look at the whole and the connection they have then come to the conclusion of, wow, I never noticed that. And I want to do something different because X, Y, Z has never worked. So then they're the ones doing their own research. They're, they're able to see things in a new uh, sense of awareness that they never had. And it's, 
it's a really cool thing to give someone because then they become inspired to look at things differently and then to have the courage to ask questions. And then ultimately they tend to be less likely to, you know, give their power away to the quote expert, whoever the experts are. And I tell, you know, my own clients, you know, my body work clients, if something I say does not agree with you, I won't take it personally. You know your animal the best. I want you to, you know, follow that and ask questions. Don't rely on what someone else tells you. It's, it's just their perspective that mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Things change quickly. Yep. Well, I, I, I think this is a really timely um, one-on-one with you, Lizzie, because um, the health of our animals, from my perspective, is not improving. No, it's, it's, it's not. getting more challenging. And it's, it's imperative, I think, that all of us... Um, riders and owners and dog lovers and cat lovers and goat lovers and chicken lovers Mm -hmm. uh, be able to step out of our box Mm -hmm. and meet our animals in the middle as as equals there is i mean there is no veil between us and them right the whole I bow. That's an illusion. There's, yeah. So I, I totally agree. And it's very easy, you know, from what you're saying, it's very easy to say, you know, oh, it's from stress or, oh, it's from too many vaccines or, oh, it's from envir- artificial environments. It's from these tangible things. But I think, you know, all of those things are pieces. Yeah. But the bigger picture seems to be where my attention keeps going mm-hmm. with our animals because focusing on all of those other things, I think it's good to learn about them and make your own decisions about them. But, you know, at the end of the day, what we have is our connection and our awareness between us and our animals. And if we can use that as our reference point in that relationship we will make better decisions for both of us yes because we're connected yep and then other people are inspired to do the same thing because when you have that with your animals and everyone every single person has the possibility and the greatest potential yes. to do this yes if they have an animal in their life, they can do this. This is not some very elusive thing. This is very easy to try and have success with. If other people will want the same thing because when we're tuned in and we can connect like this, we make better decisions with their nutrition, their vet visits, their you know, their health issues, emergencies. And, you know, we make better connections with other humans, too. Exactly. The animals are teaching us how to do that. Yes. 
and we and it goes the other way too you know so it's this is this is a win-win, but I think we have to, you know, see the forest for the trees on yes. something like this, and not get wrapped up in all the other stuff. That it's very important, but it's overwhelming. Yeah. Well, Lizzie, thank you so much. I knew this was going to be a great, inspiring conversation, and um, I want to let all our listeners know that. You can find Lizzie at wholehorseconsulting.com. And thank you for coming, and we will have you back very soon, Lizzie. Real horses and real dogs are healthier, perform better, and recover more quickly on real food. That's why Biostar empowers horse and canine owners with 100% whole food nutrition, supplements, and feeding programs. Biostar products are made at their own certified non-GMO facility in Gordonsville, Virginia, using real fruit ingredients that are raw, freeze-dried, or dehydrated, never cooked, and are free from artificial flavors, colors, soy, corn, wheat, and molasses. The Biostar product line includes a wide range of whole food, horse and dog supplements, treats, and unique artisan poultices that embrace the ancient and traditional uses of clay and plants. Visit BiostarUS.com today and learn about whole foods and canine and equine nutrition so you can make the best decisions about the care and health of your horses and dogs. That's BiostarUS.com. Whole food nutrition the way nature intended. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to our sponsor, BiostarUS. You can find them online at BiostarUS.com. Get the Horse Radio Network phone app on iOS or Android by searching for Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free and easy to use. For details about today's show, go to HealthyCrittersRadio.com where you can find links, photos, and more information about our guests. As always, we love your feedback. Please follow us on Facebook under Healthy Critters Radio. Be sure to visit all the great shows on Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Music.